0: breakthrough! Last week we started a brand new series where we're taking a look at six miracles. And the first one that we looked at, the biggest miracle of all, is the resurrection. Today we're going to take a look at another miracle, another breakthrough, and that is when you don't have enough. And so let's break it down, okay? All right, yes! Well, Do you remember when this pandemic first started when people didn't have enough toilet paper? Who would have ever thought? I mean, you would go into the store and you would see people grabbing packages after packages of toilet paper. I never knew that people went to the restroom that often, okay? You'd go into the big box stores and immediately they'd have a big sign up out of toilet paper, out of Clorox, out of certain types of meat just because they didn't want people rushing to the back of the store, trampling on one another. I want you to get this truth today. You don't know that God is all you need until God is all you got. That is why oftentimes God allows for shortages If I were to ask you right now, what are you lacking today? My guess is you wouldn't say toilet paper or paper towels, okay, or or something else like that. But what you might say is this, you know what? I'm really lacking in-depth community with people that I know. I'm lacking that human touch. Some of you might say I'm lacking a job. I'm lacking emotional support. I'm lacking money. We're in a series that we started last week taking a look at things that cause people to be hopeless. And today we're gonna take a look at three incidences out of Elijah's life. Now you might not know who Elijah is, so let me give you a little context about him, okay? Okay. He is a major prophet. He was one of Jesus' close friends. When Jesus was glorified in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses showed up and Elijah showed up. Elijah was a prophet of God that lived about 900 years before Christ. And what we are going to see today are three incidences in Elijah's life out of 1 Kings 17 that teaches how god wants to do a miracle how he wants to create a breakthrough in your life when you don't have enough now israel had three kings that united the kingdom saul david and solomon but after solomon the kingdom was divided There were two parts. There was the northern part called Israel, and there was the southern part called Judah. In the northern part, there were about 19 rotten kings. And folks, when I say rotten, they were rotten. They were rotten politically, economically, and spiritually. Kind of familiar maybe, okay, for us. And so the nation is undergoing a major shortage of things. They are in a recession, okay? And when Elijah shows up, the worst king and queen of all times are on the thrones. Ahab and Jezebel. And they were the worst because they substituted the true worship of God with the worship of Baal. Now, Baal was obviously an idol, a false god. He was the god of fertility that brought rain and brought dew so as to make things grow and multiply. And so God sends Elijah as a spokesman to say to them, because of your wickedness, there's not going to be any more rain or dew until I, the prophet of God, say so. Now, you can imagine that Ahab and Jezebel were upset. In fact, they said, Elijah, you are dead meat. And they authorized bounty hunters to find him. This is where his story begins. In 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah confronted King Ahab. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel, whom I worship and serve, There will be no dew or rain during the next few years unless I give the word. Now, let's bring ourselves into this story. Right now, you might feel in your life that your joy has dried up or that your savings has dried up or that your quality of friendships with other people has dried up, that Zoom just isn't doing it, okay? Or that your job is drying up. What is interesting is that during this time of Israel's history of spiritual, emotional, and economic dryness, God is creating breakthroughs. He is doing miracles. And he is teaching Elijah lessons. Lessons that you and I need to learn as we are in this season of a pandemic. My question to you is this. Are you ready for a miracle? Last week, with the resurrection, I said this. These three points are absolutely key for this whole series. It is never too late for a breakthrough. It is never too late to believe. It is never too late for a new start. Let me ask you again as you are sitting in in your family rooms, in the kitchen, maybe you're watching this in your bedroom, okay? Whatever. Are you ready for a breakthrough? God took Elijah to three different places in chapter 17. And those three places represent three different phases that you will go through in life. The first place that God took Elijah 2, in the first year of this three-and-a-half-year drought, was Kareth. Kareth was a place of obscurity. And the story continues in verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go east and hide in the Kareth ravine, east of the Jordan. The Kareth brook will give you fresh water to drink, and I have commanded ravens to bring you food there every day. So Elijah obeyed what the Lord said to do. He moved to the Careth ravine and lived there. The birds brought him food each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain. What is a ravine? It is a natural rut. It is a narrow, long gorge. The Grand Canyon at one time was a ravine. A ravine is long, and it is narrow, and it is deep. How would you like to live in a ravine for a year? Folks, my guess is you wouldn't. Because they are dark, they are narrow, they are cold. And folks, it's a lonely place. Some of you right now, because of this season that we are in, are in an emotional ravine. It is dark, it is cold, it seems like it's taking forever, and you feel lonely. What you might not understand about Elijah is that Elijah was an extrovert. He loved to be with people, and yet now he is By himself. He's alone. Do you know what Kareth means in the Hebrew? It means cut off. And Elijah now is cut off from relationships. He is cut off from social interactions. Folks, in today's term, he's cut off from Facebook. He, He can't even Facebook. He can't even Instagram. He doesn't know what's going on in the rest of the world. The limelight is not on him now. Being an extrovert, man, I'm telling you, this was eating his lunch. What in the world is God doing? God is taking an extrovert who is used to having a lot of relationships and he's making him into a hermit. Why? Because God had great plans for Elijah If you read the rest of Elijah's story, folks, God had some great things in store with him. It starts to get better and better and better for him. And so in essence, God is communicating to this extrovert, you need some alone time. You need to narrow your focus. You need to focus on me and my priorities for you. So I'm going to put you in a ravine. And again, what is a ravine? It's a rut that is deep, it is dark. Generally, it's long, it's narrow, and you feel alone. God is saying to Elisha, I want you to have a time of reflection. Now, I want you to get this. In fact, I want to encourage you to write this down. God often uses private darkness to prepare us for public light. Get that. Because you're going to see this at the end. Now, during this time, God is supernaturally providing for Elijah in a supernatural way through ravens. Ravens would bring him food over the top of the ravine and drop it to him. You might say he was getting bird droppings. <laughs> Don't you like that? that? That's pretty good. Bird droppings, okay. Now this isn't gourmet food. Ravens are scavengers who would, t- who would take food off of other people's fl- plates. And so for the first year, Elijah is eating leftovers at best. And more than likely, he's eating dead carcasses. This is not Club Med, okay? His only support that is coming from God is coming from a bunch of ravens, bird droppings. But remember... You don't know that God is all you need until God is all you have. In this story, Elijah, while he was in this ravine, the brook dries up. That's going to happen to you many, many times. In fact, some of you right now are in a situation where the brook has dried up. The financial brook has dried up. Or the health brook has dried up. Or the job brook is drying up. Or your emotional brook is drying up. When something good all of a sudden is gone in your life like that, guess what? Your brook just dried up. When something that you enjoy is empty and there's no more (laughs) shall i say it like this no more toilet paper on the shelves guess what your brook has just dried up my question to us is this why do these things happen well they happen for three reasons and you need to remember this i would encourage you to write these down things dry up in your life in my life in all of our lives to keep us from depending on those things. Elijah was at the the ravine of Carith for one year, and it would have been easy for him to forget God and to focus on the birds. For some of you, birds that were supposed to show up are late. And you are thinking right now, "Where, where are the bird droppings? I have bills that are accumulating right now. And yet God comes along and he says, whatever you're trusting in, if you're not trusting in me, understand something. I can dry it up. Anything that you put ahead of me is a false god. It becomes an idol. And guess what? I can take that idol down like that. Whether that is a brook or whether that is a bird. So let me ask you this. What's a brook or a bird in your life? It is whatever you are looking for in regards to happiness. It could be a spouse. It could be a job. It could be your 401k. It could be a bank account. It could be your health. Folks, it could be a number of things. A lot of times when we are walking through life, we begin to think, you know what? Whatever God has given me as a gift, he can't take it away from me. That is not true at all. Case in point, Job. Job said in Job 1.21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Fortunately, he had the right attitude. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so when you are walking through life, what you have is not a guaranteed gift. And when God stops the birds from dropping and supplying that gift to you, it is easy to begin to think, God, that's not fair at all. I don't have the job that I used to. I don't have the relationships that I used to. I don't have the money that I used to. I don't have the health that I used to. That's just not fair, God. No gift is eternal except for eternal life. Remember that. The second reason that you need to remember is that it's very possible that God is wanting to move you to a better place. Folks, God had no intentions of Elijah to stay in that ravine forever. It was to be just a temporary retreat of reflection and protection. Remember, his head was on the chopping block. People were after him. And yet what happened was that Elijah got complacent about the ruts and the ravines of his life. He was comfortable and he was complacent. I mean, as long as the brook was flowing and the bird droppings were coming, you know what? Everything is cool. And right now, during this season of this pandemic, you might think, hey, hey, the birds are dropping and the the brook is flowing. Everything is cool. But the fact is this. Folks, for us to change comes about not through seeing the light, but rather by feeling the heat. and That is what God is beginning to do with Elijah. How many times in your life has this happened? That what you initially thought was bad turned out for good. The things that you thought were going to destroy your life, that were going to take life out of you, that you wouldn't ever be able to survive, made you into a better person. a a more real person, a more authentic person, a healthier person. God was moving you from wherever you were at in your character to a better place. In Alabama, farmers grew cotton year after year after year. And then one year... After another year, after another year, after another year, bo weevils came in and destroyed the crops and farmers began to go bankrupt until they discovered a more reliable plant. Peanuts, the peanut plant. is a lot better than cotton. What was God doing? God was moving them to a better place. God often uses circumstances like a pandemic, like a job loss, like a shortage of whatever where we don't have enough to move us to a different place. The third reason that we need to remember is that he wants to prove that he has not forgotten you. You see, in a shortage situation, It is easy to think, where in the world is God? And yet God knows exactly where you're at. You may not know where God is at, but he knows where you're at. And he says, I know who you are. I know your name. I know what you're going through. I know where you're hurting, and I care, and I can do something about it. God could have left Elijah there, but he didn't because he cared for him. And so what God did is he dried up the brook and he stopped the birds from dropping to move him on. When things go wrong in our life, we oftentimes think, God, it's not fair. Where are you? Why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you providing? Are are you unfair, God? And God isn't. And and, And he isn't silent. And he isn't hidden. He's leading you. And he's wanting you to begin to pay back attention to him. Oftentimes, in in, in comfort and uh, and in complacency, folks, we forget about talking to God. And yet it's through these kinds of situations that it gets under our skin and we get a little upset. And yet, you know what? God's fine with that because he knows that now you're at least having a conversation with him. It might not be on the best of terms, but guess what? Now you're in communication with one another. God is not unfair. He's not silent. He's not hidden. He cares and He's wanting to move you to a better place. Now, this leads us to the second place that God was leading Elijah, and that is the journey north. He is on the road that's going to test his faith because it's going to be a dangerous journey. I call this the time in Elijah's life, the time of insecurity. Let's pick up the story in verse 8 and verse 9. Then the Lord said, Now get up and go to Zarephath and live there. I've prepared a widow there to take care of you. So Elijah went to Zarephath. I want you to circle a phrase and a word get up and go and prepared. What's happening here? Well, I think it's pretty obvious, okay? God wants him to move. But who and where God is sending him to doesn't give Elijah a lot of confidence for a number of reasons. One, God is sending him out of Israel to Zarephath. Zarephath is not in Israel. Zarephath is a pagan city. It is a city that worships Baal. It is a city that wants Elijah's head on the chopping block. And not only that, it is the hometown of Jezebel, the the most wicked queen in the Old Testament. Secondly, this journey that God is sending him on is over a hundred miles. And folks, it's open territory. And remember, he's a wanted man. On top of that, it's a drought, and he sends him out without any supplies, no water. But the biggest thing is the fourth thing, that when he gets to Zarephath, God tells him to stay at a very poor widow's home. Folks, she couldn't protect him. She couldn't defend him. She couldn't provide for him. So what is going on? God is sending him on a journey that is going from bad to worse. In essence, he's jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. I want to ask you a question. Are you at this place? Some of you are on a journey. You are on a journey from Kareth to Zarephath And guess what? It is going from bad to worse. The bills are starting to mount. The loneliness that used to be out here is beginning to creep in. The emptiness inside was used to be small is growing larger and larger and larger. What do you do when you are on a journey That produces insecurity within you. What do you do when you don't know where you're going or how long it's going to take? Where you don't know what you're going to end up, where that's going to end up even being. Folks, you've got to remember three things. The first one is this. If you want a breakthrough, if you want to experience a miracle in your life, you must understand that the pathway to a miracle always goes through uncomfortable territory. Miracles don't happen, folks, in the comfort zone. They don't happen at convenient times. You only, in fact, need a miracle when you are on the edge, when you are feeling insecure, when you are scared to death. The pathway to a miracle always goes through uncomfortable territory. Moses, when he led God's people from Egypt to the promised land, they had to go through the Red Sea. That was scary. When David fought Goliath in the valley of Elah and the army was behind him, and he was down in that valley all by himself with that nine-foot giant, that was scary. When Jehoshaphat won a victory, and he walked out onto the battlefield with the choir in front of him. Folks, that would be like Scott Stein, who plays our guitar, okay, being out in front of me. Folks, I'm gonna tell you that, that, that would be scary, okay? Scott Scott plays a mean guitar, but I don't know how he plays a mean sword to defend me, okay? Folks, that would be scary. Where is it that you are feeling a little uncomfortable? In your finances? With your sexuality? Emotionally, relationally, physically, with your health? hey, congratulations, you are on the pathway to a breakthrough. Miracles don't happen when you and I feel comfortable, when we are complacent. Folks, they happen when we are feeling insecure and we are scared to death. The second thing that you need to remember on this journey is that the source of a miracle is always unexpected. Now, why is this the case? It's because God wants to get all the glory. When you and I are walking around, taking this journey, feeling insecure, we begin to think, you know what, I don't know if God's gonna do this. I don't know if God's gonna do that. (laughs) How in the world is God gonna pull me through? And we begin to think, well, you know, I could do this. I could do that. And we begin to manipulate situations. And that's not good. In fact, it oftentimes makes it Worse. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, you're gonna have, uh, have a kid, and you're gonna be the father of a multitude of nations, of people. And it didn't happen on Abraham's time. And he's walking around, and he's thinking, well, God can't do this, God can't do that, God can't do this here. And he begins to think, well, I, I can do this. I mean, Sarah just offered me her handmaiden. And yet God comes along later and says, no, 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 no. That isn't how it's going to happen. And at the age of 90, Sarah had a child. And at the age of 100, Abraham had a son. The source of a miracle is always unexpected. I think of Isaiah 55 in regards to this, where God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways as high as the heavens are above the earth so are my ways and your uh, so are my ways and my thoughts above yours and so the 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 journey to a miracle is illogical it often is a mystery folks if you and i could understand god we would be god and i'm not god And you're not God. And honestly, I'm glad I'm not because to be God brings a lot of stress and takes a lot of peace out of my life. And I'm sure it takes a lot of peace out of your life. So, what do you do when you're on this journey? When you're feeling insecure? Well, you don't fear, you don't fret. You don't try to figure it all out on your own. You don't try to come up with some George formula to make this thing work. No, you trust God. That God is God and you're not. The third thing that you need to remember while you're on this journey is that miracles always happen through CPR, cardiac pulmonary resuscitation. I call that CPR, command, promise, and risk. God gives a command. Do this. He gives a promise. He puts his character on the line. And then he says, I want you to take a risk. I want you to obey. God came to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. I want you to build an ark. He gave him a promise. I will take you through the storm. You will not be affected by it. You will get through it, you and your family, safely. And then Noah obeyed. He built the ark. Folks, I could give you example after example after example in the Bible that this is how God operates. CPR, cardiac pulmonary resuscitation, getting our hearts alive through a command, a promise, And you and I taking a risk. If you will do this, if you will listen for God's command, if you will discover it through God's word, if you will claim that promise, and if you will act on that promise by being obedient, I guarantee you this, God will come through. Now we come to the third place that Elijah is at. First, he's in this rut or ravine. He's feeling lonely, uh, lonely. Then he comes uh, and goes on this route, okay, on this road, and he's feeling insecure. And then finally, he comes to Zarephath. This is a place of scarcity. Take a look at verse nine. When we reached the town gate, Elijah, or when he reached the town gate. Elijah saw a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, "Would you please bring me a drink of water?" Uh, as she was going to, uh, as she was going to get it, Elijah added, "And please bring me a small piece of bread too." Now we got to stop here. This is absolutely hilarious, don't you think? Here, Elijah walks up to a perfect stranger who is poor, who is a widow, who is homeless, doesn't have much, and says, I want you to give me a drink, and I want you to give me some food. And by the way, i kind of like to stay at your place, whatever it's like, okay? Would you do something like that in Dallas or wherever you live? My guess is, folks, you wouldn't do that, okay? he God has led him to a place of scarcity. Take a look at verse 12 and following. And the woman answered, as surely as your God lives, I swear I have no bread. I only have a handful of flour left in a small jar and a little olive oil left in a jug. I came to gather some food so I could go home and cook our last meal. My son and I will eat it and then we will die of hunger. Elijah's got to be thinking, God, what in the world? Are you doing? Why have you led me to this place? I mean, you've sent me to a widow who doesn't have anything. That all she has is a happy meal, and she's going to share this last happy meal with her son. And you're asking me to give, uh, have her give some of that to me. What's God doing? He's doing CPR cardiac pulmonary resuscitation through a command through a promise through uh, him taking a risk folks this is a test God is testing Elijah do you think you're smarter than me or do you do, do you think uh, or do you believe that I can do a miracle do you think you can uh, that you are better than me do you are you believing more in yourself than you're believing in me? It is a test. And it goes on. "Don't be afraid," Elijah said. "Go home. this is to the widow woman. Go home and first make a small loaf of bread from what you have, and bring it to me. Then cook something for yourself and your son. God says, I assure you that the jar of flour will never be empty and the jug of oil will never run out until the day I send rain to the land. Now let's stop right there. Folks, this doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right to this widow. This doesn't make sense. You're gonna multiply my happy meal that I have in my hand that my son and I were gonna eat right now? Folks, this too is a test of faith. And God gives a promise. He says, I'll fill the jar with oil and you will go and you won't go without. So what is Elijah doing with this widow? He is doing the same thing that God did with him. C-P-R. God just didn't want Elijah to experience a miracle, folks. He was wanting this widow to experience a miracle as well. God said to Elijah, CPR, I command you to go to Kareth. I command you to go on the road. I command you to go to Zarephath. And he gives him a promise and says, I will be with you and I will provide for you. And now he's trying to help this widow to get in on a miracle as well. Through CPR. Cardiac pulmonary resuscitation. He is trying to get her heart to come back to life through a command and a promise and her taking a risk. Folks, it's a test. He's saying to her, if you eat your happy meal, you're going to die. But if you give your happy meal away, you will live. God is saying to you and I in this season, if you will put me first, I will make sure that you not only survive, but that you will thrive. Let's continue in the story. Verse 15. So the widow did what Elijah told her to do. She obeyed. And she and her son and Elijah had enough food every day. The jar of flour and the jar of oil never never ran out, just as God had promised. This is the third place. And do you know what Zarapath means in the Hebrew? Folks, it means refinery. God is refining his faith and her faith. And what is a refinery? Folks, it's where there is heat and there is pressure that purifies and shapes raw material into something that is useful. Some of you right now, You're not in the ravine. You're not on the road, folks. You're in the refinery. The heat is on, and God is purifying. He's purifying your attitudes. He's purifying your belief system. He's purifying your motives so that you can be used by God. Now, what is interesting, as you think about refineries and as you think about ravines, folks... They're the exact opposite of one another. A ravine is cold and it is dark. A refinery is hot and there is light. In a ravine, you feel lonely. In a refinery, the spotlight is on and people are watching. When you are in a refinery, Folks, I guarantee this, you begin to think, where am I going to get the money or the time or the energy? Where am I going to get whatever is needed to fill up this empty tank that's on the inside of me? I feel the pressure is on and people are watching. Now, it's interesting. When God plans to do a miracle in your life, folks, he works it from both ends. God prepared not only Elijah, but he prepared the widow for a miracle. He was, while he was working on Elijah, folks, he was working in Zarephath at the same time to bring those two ends together to produce a miracle. And God is never late and he's never early. He's always on time, isn't he? God has perfect timing. And what I want you to know as we are in this season, that God is working in your life. And while you are waiting on God, though you may be questioning God, God, where are you in this? This just seems so unfair, God. Why are you silent while you are waiting on God? God is working. He's working at all kinds of different angles to bring the two together. He is arranging the donor with the donee, bringing them together. He's bringing the need and the supplier, and he's bringing them together. He's working in the employer and the employee and bringing them together. He is working in the church, and he's working in the successor, and he's bringing them together. Think about it. For three and a half years in the Middle East there were thousands upon thousands of widows but only one got to experience a miracle. Why? Because she practiced CPR. So let me ask you this. In this season wherever you're at what is it that you need to remember when you're running out of resources. Three things. First of all, whatever you need, give to God. That's the first thing. Whatever it is that you need, give it to God. Whatever you put into God's hands, I guarantee you this, he will multiply. Secondly, whatever you have least of give it away why because it's a test it resuscitates your heart it gets you in position to experience a miracle what i just said is the exact opposite of what the world teaches what the world teaches is this whatever you have extra of give it away If you've got some extra money, hey, give a little bit of that away. If you've got some extra time, yeah, well, why don't you just go ahead and volunteer somewhere. If you've got a little bit of extra energy, you can give that away. Folks, we are taught to give out of our extras, to give out of our leftovers. But when you want to see a miracle in and through your life, you've got to give out of what you really don't have much of. Because that puts your heart in line for a miracle. And the third thing that you remember is that you don't give to be, uh, you don't give to, to get a blessing. You give to be a blessing. And sure, when you give, there, there are blessings that occur. I mean, you feel good on the inside. You feel significant. You, you have this sense of fulfillment that you've never had before. But you don't give to get a blessing. You give to be a blessing to other people. So where are you at in this season? Are you in a rut and you're feeling lonely? Are you on the road and you're feeling insecure? Are you in a refinery and the heat is on and people are watching and the clock is ticking down? Where are you at? Personally, during this season, I've had times of reflection. And I want to share some things with you that I have learned, I'll say, over the last 66 years of my life. And I want to put it in the context of not having enough. In my lifetime, I've gone through 10 recessions. When there wasn't enough. Now, I'll admit, the first five, four or five, I was a baby or a toddler or I was a teenager and I was just clueless, right? Okay, mom and dad or whatever were providing. But as I became older, I experienced this. When Cheryl and I were getting ready to get married, we were going through a recession. But God led us and we trusted God. And we're going to be married 46 years come this August. Our first child, Aaron, was born in a recession. And he's still around, and we had two others. When God led us to come from Missouri to, De- to Texas to start a church in Plano, Collin County, we started it in a recession. When we built the big house, this sanctuary... We built it during a recession. And now as we are looking for our successor to lead us into the future, God is doing it in an economic downturn. And yet in every one of those situations, God has come through. And the lessons that I have learned as I have walked with God 43, 44 years, are these. You don't know that God is all you need until God is all you have. And where God guides, God provides. And as he guides you, trust him one day at a time. By being in his word, by being in community, in this season, virtually or physically, being socially distant and give your life away. What you need most of or what you have least of, give it away. And then finally, God's promises hinge on your obedience. Where are you at? Is God wanting to revive your heart? Reflect, remember God and how he has led you these many years. He's faithful. Let's pray. I want us to bow our heads right now. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're not even with God, but you are in a ravine and he's trying to get your attention so that you will come into relationship with him. Will you do that? God is the source of all good things. And there is no shifting shadow with him. He is faithful time and time and time again. But you need to be in relationship with him. And if you're not, will you drop him this morning from your head knowing about him into your heart where you want and have and will experience him. By simply saying this, God, right now, I don't have enough. And I've come to the end and I need a miracle in my life. And I wanna invite you in as the miracle maker to begin changing me and changing my life and moving me to a different place, a place where I experience you, a place that I know you for who you are and a place that is wide, that is open, where there is freedom, where there is abundance, God. I believe that you sent your son on the cross to die for my sins. And right now, I'm committing myself to him. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to let me know by texting new start at 94000 and just let me know that you've made a first time commitment to Christ and I will get you some literature maybe you've recommitted your life you did you you established a relationship with Christ I don't know years ago but but now, because of the situation that really the world is going through, you want to get right with God. You can text New Start as well, 94 to 94,000. And we'll get you some literature to help you get on, back on the road again with your commitment to Christ. God, we really thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your ways. We thank you for the stories that are in the Bible, the miracles that you've done, that they are not just for times of old, but God, they're for us right now because you're a God who's still doing miracles. And we just pray we would be those who would walk with you through the walls of life, the barriers that seem to be impenetrable, God. So God, be with us. In your son's precious name we pray.